This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the chest. Coronavirus Self-Isolation Podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Chest, the lockdown sessions. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we once again try to tackle the boredom and cabin fever generously bestowed upon us by some sort of bat or possibly some weird little creature that looks a bit like a shit armadillo. I'll introduce you to the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Hi, gentlemen. I have with me Chris Clark. Hello, Hambo. You all right? Yeah, marvellous, mate. Marvellous. It's almost like we've been on a recording session for fucking hours already, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's been going really well, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, swimmingly. And we also have Mr. Mike Scott. Hello, Mike. Hello, all. Thank you for sticking with us for seven or eight episodes of this shit. Still oh, I think it's getting better all the time. I've only got uh, listened through half the, the preview pod so far, but I've got such tea tea based rage, um, particularly at Hesketh, who's disrespecting tea. Um, that I'm finding it hard to to focus, but yeah, do check out the uh, the preview pod as well. But let's have a quick catch up. Uh, talk to you first, actually, Mike. You're um you're devastated. Apparently, one of your favourite pods has been cancelled. Yeah, I just want to say about the uh, preview, what the world needs is uh, three men chatting about tea on a podcast, definitely. Good work, gentlemen. Um, yes, so I I follow quite a geeky pod uh, called Linux Action News, um, and it's one of those ones that <clears throat> if you're a computer nerd, uh, something to listen to. But um, it's an American-based one, and uh, the parent company that owns it sacked the English presenter uh, with immediate effect this week. So there was a, a quick two-minute new episode that came out today uh, from the other presenter saying, um, oh, you know, uh, my, my colleague Joe has been has been fired. I'm sure he'll make a statement about it, but I'm sorry that the pods had to end here. So I went onto his Twitter. <clears throat> it turns out this guy, uh, he, he pulled out one C-bomb, um, one use of the word cunt, and was instantly fired. Um, and the podcast has had to end. Just, just imagine how many English and Australian pods would would not exist if if you <laughs> if you pulled out the C bomb and they instantly got stopped. Um, it's 
Americans, they're, 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 they're too touchy. That's, that's all I can say about that. Yeah. They I mean, they love guns, but don't you dare swear, right? Don't you dare swear. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm obviously devastated at the loss of Linux Action News, was it? Yeah, I mean, the, the title gives you an idea about just just how much uh, how much high-velocity stuff was going on. Um, yeah, I guess you were a fan as well, Will, Chris. Are you uh, similarly upset? I'm devastated. I mean, you know, their, their coverage of the role of the 5G network in the current pandemic has been unrivaled. Indeed, indeed. Well, we'll all have to just get on and try to live day by day, won't we? Um, until perhaps a, a new Linux-based podcast comes back. Um, Chris, you're, uh, you're struggling with the old sleep pattern. You've, uh, well, we're recording this. It's about, oh, spoiler alert, it's probably about eight o'clock at night. Probably more than that, considering how long we've been on. Um, how long have you been up? two, three hours. Uh, regular listeners know that uh, this is a habit of mine that I'm often up just in time for recording sessions, which tend to take place in the kind of early evening. Um, with today being um, uh, the secular chocolate day, as, as it is, um, and as I can't be with my family, I had absolutely no reason to get up, which is a pattern that has been emerging for the, over the previous few weeks, frankly, despite the fact that I'm working. I can do my work whenever I want to because it's not hugely time sensitive. So I'm tending to do it in the kind of small hours, um, possibly while nursing a beer occasionally. No, you're up. Yeah, well, you know, you do struggle, don't you, Chris? Uh, staying, you know, staying awake and you know, getting to sleep as well because there's all that beer to drink before you get to go to sleep, and it, you know, it can get tricky. Well, absolutely, and and on that note, I mean, I, I do have to pay tribute to my good friends at the Cronks Brewery who have done a sterling um, arrangement for anyone who happens to be resident in central Croydon you can uh, get hold of 10 litres of some of their best beers um, just by going to the online shop um, and they deliver it to your door uh, at a very reasonable price so um, I hope I'm okay to do product placement here I'm not doing Mm. it um, with any uh, benefit to me um, except that more people will get to taste this great beer it's the Cronks Brewery which is brewed by Palace fans as well. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's no harm in shamelessly plugging something in the hope that you might get a freebie. I mean, the preview guys do it every week, so <laughs> why why wouldn't you? Um, yeah, look, I tell you, I, you know, things have things have changed for me a little bit of late. You know, this this whole self isolation part. I mean, I'll be honest with you, my, I don't do an awful lot, you know, anyway, with <laughs> my life other than work. So it's not been that much of a change. I found it quite interesting. So. I, I am suffering from getting the, the daily exercise rage, right? So I've, I've been out a few times. I'm quite fortunate I'm not too far away from the sort of Thames towpath in Reading. It's quite picturesque. You've got a load of sort of boat clubs and, you know, there's fucking geese and swans everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's quite nice. Um, if you go out too late, you get bitten to death by uh, mosquitoes and things. But other than that, it's, it's, it's all right. But I just get the rage now because you go down there and there's people – Sitting, sitting around reading books, having picnics, you know, the, all the benches along the towpath were just full of people just sitting down doing nothing and taking in the sun. You're like, every single one of them would say, oh, but I'm socially distancing. And you're like, that isn't the point. Those aren't the rules. And as you know, Chris and Mike, you can't have fun without rules, can you? That's that's the way it goes. But um, I did sort of notice today that what – it's interesting the sort of reaction of people to being given a restriction that says you can only go out once a day to exercise. 
I'm willing to bet similar like like me that most of those people would do what I would do usually in an evening or, or throughout the course of a day where they didn't have to go out particularly. You'd, you'd be sat in front of the TV, and in my case, drinking and eating scampi fries because, you know, they are the finest available snack. Um, but because I'm told I can only go out once a day to exercise, I'm going out once a day and walking, you know, between five and, and eight kilometres along the along the Thames towpath. I'm going to come out, and I'm also doing free weights at home. I'm going to come out of this an absolute Adonis or something. Even, even more than you already were. Yeah. Look, if, if you tell someone to do something they're going to do the opposite. So it's it's a genius move. It's an absolute genius move. Every, everyone's going to get fit by doing 10-mile walk. If you do come out of it looking like an Adonis, then we're going to have a moment on the glorious day when we return to Selhurst Park where I'll go down to the seats and again I will say, where's Hambo? You'll <laughs> be <sitting> next to me. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, due to the removal of my glorious beard, which, you know, let's face it, everyone's got a, a corona beard at the moment, even some of the less fortunate ladies is that okay to say you said it probably have to cut that out Uh, (laughs) or uh or bleep it all maybe you just do one long bleep and pretend i never said that (laughs) oh dear right should we crack on um just to get this out of the way um we are sponsored of course by the wonderful pitch sport football uh download their app google pitch sport football find it there and you can join us on there they're simulating the season at the moment. I think we lost 4-0 to Leicester today. Thank God that's not real. Um, and I, I, I predicted a 1-1 draw. I'll be quite we, honest. We, we lost 4-0 and we had two shots in the entire game. Well, that bit's fairly believable. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the conceding four, very, very unlikely, I feel. But they're using Football Manager to do that. And my experiences with Football Manager are that uh, certain teams you just seem to concede a whole bunch of goals against. Anyway... Um, so do get involved on that. If you want to add me in the mate section, my code is K-U-G-K-U-T. If you want to get in touch with us for any of these podcasts about whatever you like, as you would have noticed, we do talk about whatever we like. You can send us a WhatsApp voice message on 0203 575 1266. On the socials, we are on Instagram, at Back of the Nest CPFC. Twitter is at Back of the Nest. Facebook, Back of the Nest. YouTube, Back of the Nest. And you can email hi at backofthenest.com. And don't forget to get your iTunes reviews or your podcast app reviews in. Five stars, but the, you know whatever you write in terms of text, you can write what you like, um, including comments about DR and mouthwash and more on DR later on. Uh, finally, he did, by the way, win the FIFA tournament we set up last week. I'm sure we'll knock together further tournaments. Um, I believe the £30 that he won uh, from sponsorship will be going to charity. Um, He doesn't know that yet, but it will be going to charity. (laughs) Right, should we crack on with some football chat, gents? Um, We've got a team of the decade update. So as of last week, it was uh, Spironi in goal. Um, He defeated Vicente Guaita. Uh, And left back, Patrick Van Arnholt, who defeated uh, Papa Suare. It wasn't called Patrick Suare, was he? Uh, centre-back, um, Scott Dan Soroff, um, Mamadou Sacco, Damien Delaney Soroff, James Tompkins, and at right-back, Ward was victorious over Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And this week, it's between Luka Milivojevic and Johan Kabai. And the winner, quite convincingly, was Johan Kabai. 82.4% of all votes, with Luka only getting 17 and a bit of reaction from that, starting with yourself, Chris. What do you think of that? Well, I, I think that's it. Looks like a pretty good um, 
selection, to be honest. I mean, um, and I think that you've got to reflect on the reality that, you know, we've got to be a solid team. So, um, you know. So, so you're Kubai, going with Kubai over Luca because of the team? Yeah, he made the players around him better. And, and I mean, concise. You were concise. I think that's a fair. That's a fair point. I know the reason I said you were concise is I've gone back on mute and was reaching for some more wine. Um, Sorry about that, mate. It's fine. You know, if you could just elaborate a bit further, so I can get at least a sip. But next no, time I will. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, man. No, look, I'm not surprised by you know Kabai was, but I do feel that you know at both stages. I sort of said this a bit last week. You know, when Kabai was playing for us for a long period of time. You know his abilities and his his effectiveness in the team was called into question. And Luke be, Luca being a current player is getting that same sort of treatment at the moment. And um, it's funny how once a player stops playing for you, often their um their abilities get uh, get magnified. I don't think it should have been quite that comprehensive, but I think I probably just would have gone for Kabai myself, Mike. Pretty much agree with you there. Um, I I, I feel like Luca is a we've mentioned it a lightning rod for. Um, issues this season um, and possibly that's affected his his score, scoring a little bit. I mean, to only get less than one in five votes um, seems harsh. This is a man that ended up um, making the captaincy his own um, when it wasn't necessarily his in the first place. Um, and he has been a leader. Um, Kabaye had some excellent times and he was a, he's an excellent footballer. And in fact, when people were discussing on Twitter today, about players they wanted back. Um, if we could have any Palace player in their prime, some people went for Kabai. So you're talking about um, a really class player, but there was periods, especially um, in the, the Frank de Boer and, and subsequent era when um, Kabai was getting a lot of stick um, and he, was, uh, he wasn't necessarily doing all the things we hoped of him. So he didn't score quite as many goals as I'd have liked in a Palace shirt. Um, I, I probably would have gone for him, but I was expecting it to be sort of sixty forty. So for it to be eighty two percent, I'm quite shocked. Both of those players, I'd be happy with them in the, the team of the decade. To be honest, the other element is whether it's actually a like for like. Because um, for me, you know, I'd actually pick both of them probably. In you know, so it, it's one of those kind of invidious choices where I can see why it'd be really difficult to make that choice. If you've got Kabai in the team, then I'd pick Luca next to him possibly um but then you know you're gonna you're gonna hear my t- my team um my favorite players soon and that may reflect on this as well so i'll shut up interesting interesting where we are going to come to that very very shortly and um i know what you mean i was actually probably expecting the the two sort of central midfield slash central defensive midfield positions to be filled by those two players but you know it's the the listeners and the the people who follow us on the socials that that are doing the voting and uh, this was first versus fourth, I think. So um, we'll see what happens um, with the with the next position available in midfield. See who that's between. Bit of a tease there, but I genuinely don't know. <laughs> um, so next up in terms of the considerations is a forward position. And that's between Christian Benteke and Glenn Murray. Uh, so get on our various social are- areas. I don't know what's happened there. Social areas, is that? That's a thing, isn't it? Our social media accounts. So check out Twitter and Facebook in particular, and you'll be able to put your vote in there. I think the vote is going to be um, skewed somewhat by, uh, particularly on Facebook, by um, Mikey selecting a picture of Glenn Murray in a Brighton shirt uh, to the rage of many. Um, but, you know, I think to some people that's a really obvious choice. To me, not so much. You think about 
that that first season for Benteke and the number of goals he scored. And you think about, you know, Glenn Murray's effectiveness at Premier League level. Of course, it's team of the decade, so we have to take their full um, period at Palace into account. But, you know, I, I go back to my gut feeling when we signed Christian Benteke and, and let Murray go off to Bournemouth. And I very much felt that it was ridiculous to sh- suggest that Benteke wasn't a, a fairly significant upgrade on, on Glenn Murray at that time. Although history doesn't necessarily prove me correct there. I mean, you've got to talk about longevity. Uh, I'm sure, sure Mo is going to cane this. What I would say, i.e. should already win the uh, team of the decade for 2020 to 2029. So um, we've definitely got that wrapped up. <laughs> Absolutely right. Anyway, without further ado, let's get on. And hear from Mr. Christopher Clark, who's going to deliver his all-time favourite Palace eleven. Over to you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Um, you know, I know people will have been waiting with bated breath to um, hear these selections. Um, so, without further ado, I'll, I'll run through the eleven and explain my logic in in the selections. Now, bear in mind that um, this is not necessarily the best eleven; it's my favourite eleven. So. Um, that's necessary. That necessary caveat out of the way. Here we go. So in goal, you've got Nigel Martin, um, who um, you know was a fantastic keeper for us, and you know someone I, I really you just knew that he had he had great saves in him, and he he didn't make mistakes. So and you know I mean the fact that he was an England goalkeeper while playing for Palace and stayed at Palace while the England goalkeeper uh, speaks volumes about the man. Uh, Sorry, just to jump, jump in there. You, you, I mean, you picked the same keeper as me, but I forgot last time out, and I think it's important that we mention it, not only was he a, a great goalkeeper, but when he joined us, he had a lovely moustache. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, yeah, I look at that jealously because I can't grow anything as elegant <laughs> as that even now. Um, so then, uh, back four, um, I've kind of spanned the decades a little bit with this. So, um, left back, uh, PVA was in the running, but ultimately I went with Dean Gordon uh, because I, I loved the fact he was he was so fast and he had a demon free kick on him. So um, he's he's my choice for left back. Fly me um, right back. Nathaniel Klein. Um, Snap. Didn't <laughs> it just goes to show? I mean, I am known as carbon copy among the pod, and this is becoming clear why now to a certain extent. So um, Klein. You know, I left us too early, but someone who, you know, if he had stayed with us, I would have loved to have seen more of that. And when you look back through the years, it's, it was either him or Joel Ward in terms of contribution. For me, it had to it had to be Klein. Uh, in terms of centre-backs, I've gone with uh, Scott Dan uh, because he was at his best and for a number of years after he joined us, he was absolutely consistently solid and scored goals as well um, with his head. So and he combined very well with my other choice, which is Damien Delaney, who I love because he played better than he looked like he was capable of in points during the time after we came up. No, I think you know people were regularly saying that he was um, past it and that he was ready to be dropped, but he played out of his skin. He also scored the goal that set off the Cristian Ball uh, comeback. So you know you've got to love the guy, and yeah, what a player. So midfield, you've I, I really struggled with this because we've frankly I wanted to pick three wingers and that's how I've ended up doing it by giving by cheating and giving one of them a, a free roll. So I've got Andros Townsend and Yannick Balassi swapping sides occasionally and Wilf in a free roll with Mile Jedinak as the 
anchor defensive midfielder. Again, this, so much of this was to do with the character of the players because Jedi, you just knew, you know, he was tough as nails and he'd give anything for the shirt. But Lassie lo- looked like he loved playing football and I, you know, you never knew what he was going to do and I really miss him. Um, but I couldn't not have Townsend in the team because the way he's played for us since he came to us has been amazing. Up front... Can I just jump in with Townsend? Please. Get the... I'm really interested in that one because, I mean, I do rate Andros and I think he's been great in a Palace shirt. But, I mean, I would I struggle because, I mean, I put I put Solarco on one wing and Zaha on the other. Um, I went with a kind of a 4-4-2 um, with, with Jeff Thomas and, and Andy Gray in midfield. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a mate. So, I mean, do, do you remember Solarco? Um You'd go Andros over Salako. I'm surprised. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I know. It's it, it's difficult. I mean, I think probably they've they've both coloured my perceptions of them a little bit by the way they've behaved. <laughs> yeah, um, I know where you're going. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't even need to say it. Um, so yeah, if you look up any of John Salako's opinions, then that has um, an impact on my feelings about him subsequently. And this is my favourite eleven, not necessarily the best eleven. Not any of his opinions, just some. A well, selection of. It doesn't take long to find them, though. <laughs> still, I still love George Slarko, whether I agree with him on certain areas or not. I was so happy when I had a photo taken with him at um, Speroni's testimonial, um, because at that stage I didn't realise <laughs> the opinions that he has. Um, so, yeah, that's coloured that slightly. Um, and Townsend, actually, I think has been an absolute uh, diamond in terms of his perspective on this current COVID crisis as well, where he's been standing up and uh, doing interviews, def- you know, explaining the logic behind not immediately agreeing to a pay cut. So, you know, you've got to, got to give the guy kudos for that, in my opinion. Um, let's move on to the strikers. And uh, n- none of the current crop, or indeed anyone from the current Premier League era, uh, makes it for me. So I, I went with Ian Wright, which is a, a controversial selection, given that he left the club. Um, but... He's he's too good, and I love the guy. And you know, ultimately, he scored the goals that got us into that FA Cup final, um, which was a major factor in my falling in love with Palace. You know, beyond the fact that it was already my club, he he made it so much more. And then in the years that I started going, Chris Armstrong was the main striker, and I think someone like him with those wingers now and um, Wilf would absolutely score so many goals in the current Premier League level. So I, I struggled with a few players I had to miss out. I've got some special mentions to make. Sanji High, um, I was, he wasn't here that long, but he was someone who I struggled with not including. Uh, Neil Dans, who scored some fantastic goals, especially from free kicks. Simon Roger, who was fantastic as a defensive midfielder, and I really... I, I, he was in there until I, I decided I had to go with Jedinax because of the way that he led us to promotion. And then um, in terms of the strikers, there are so many. But the the one I will single out, because I imagine most people won't mention him, is Paul Stewart, who was only with us for uh, one uh, season on loan, but was the best player I'd seen in a Palace shirt at that time. And I was gutted that he didn't come to us permanently. So it's Wil- Wilf's in the free roll there. So basically, you've got in your in your team, you've got cheated by having Jednak controlling the entire of central midfield on his yeah. own. Yeah, <laughs> shameless. I'm going to give you a correction. Well, a correction. You said uh, that Ian Wright 
um, got us the goals to get us into the FA Cup final. Well, of course, Ooh. he was injured, wasn't he? Until the FA Cup final itself, Good where he point. scored in the three-three. Yes, scored the two goals. Unfortunately, couldn't couldn't achieve the same feat off the bench in the replay. So, but, um, but for the correction. But that, that aside, obviously a phenomenal player. You know, you, you picked quite a lot of the players I did. You know, Wilf and and, um, and Ian Wright were in, were in mine as well. So interesting selection. I twisted the format to get everybody you wanted in. Like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I did the same in order to get Balassi and Townsend in, um, playing with it a little bit. But um, you've got to get Balassi in for um, just that X factor, the fact he didn't even know what he was doing. But but Townsend has has got that kind of... Um, he, he transcends football in that he, you, you know you'd want to have a pint with him. Um, and he, he's obviously um, a very clever guy. I mean, I, I, his dad clearly rubs off on him. Um, they're two very intelligent, very interesting men. Um, and he's going to have a long career in punditry, no question. Um, so for me, he got in on um, his personality as well as his, his playing ability. But there's been times when... We've had to rely on on Zahar so much. The only other outlet was Townsend. So, at times when creativity was almost at, at nothing without Zahar, um, Townsend took a lot on his shoulders, and I, I don't think he necessarily gets enough credit. Um, and also an absolute bargain for for whatever he was, twelve million. The other person I struggled with missing out was Jason Punchin, um, who you know has always been a controversial figure among fans, but scored so many really important goals, especially in that first season, but even subsequently in terms of games that were crucial to keep us up. So, you know, and of course put us ahead in, again in a, a different FA Cup final. Um, so a a player who has been absolutely iconic for us and, you know, I, I really struggled with not including him, but I couldn't justify it with the choices I've got. There you go. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've redid my team Every day, I'd probably come up with a different team. Um, last week, those who listened will know that I, I came up with it in about 10 minutes before the start of the show. And I'm, I'm glad that I never have to think about it again. Um, but yeah, thanks, Chris. Very much, much appreciated. If you've got your own suggestions uh, listening at home, you can get them in via any of the socials or email at hi at backofthenest.com and we'll, uh, we'll read them out. Unless they're insane. I might not read them out if they're insane. Or, or maybe that's the best thing. Um, anyway... Um, over to you, Mike, because we've got a few um, general Palace-related stuff, um, stories that have been throughout the course of the week to cover. Yeah, it's nice that the club has actually given us something to talk about. Mainly today, uh, push notification on most people's phones, a uh, statement from Hodgson on the current situation, lengthy, slightly rambling, as you'd expect from him, but um, a great read. I, uh, I'll just quote a little bit from him. It's on the website if you haven't read it yet. I'd like to talk about the work the club and indeed the players have done to help members of our local community. While it's incredibly commendable, it doesn't surprise me at all. I've been pleased to hear that work in our community has been stepped up even further than usual and I was particularly keen to learn of club staff efforts in calling more than 1,200 season ticket holders over the age of 70 to check if they're okay, have a chat and offer support. Our local food bank near the stadium has been overwhelmed with demand and whilst I'm immensely saddened by the reality of the service they provide, I'm pleased that we as a club are continuing to support their calls. Uh, that couldn't be more anti-Daniel Levy if if it tried. Um, he went on to talk about uh, him and his wife and their balcony and, and uh, overlooking the River Thames and exactly what you'd expect from Roy Hodgson. Um, 
watching some documentaries, watching the, the Man City documentary and stuff, which are, it, it, it adds a, um, a sort of a, a personality to him that sometimes probably doesn't doesn't come across. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that part of it. You know, he talked about getting some gym equipment delivered by the club, just like the players had, and setting up a gym in his in his apartment over the Thames. And that him and his wife are sort of taking turns having a go on it and all that kind of stuff. It was a lovely little insight into his um, into his existence. You know, you know, you kind of forget that you know they're going through the same things we are, albeit in probably slightly nicer surroundings. Let's face it. But um, everything he said, I think, you know, was you can just get a sense of what a decent human being he is. And and I enjoyed the fact that he wasn't afraid to to talk a little bit political and talk a little bit about the wider the wider picture at the moment. And more than that, the fact that it changes tack so many times in one essay um, just gives you an insight into his mind. Um, you know, he, go, he goes on to talk about um, players needing probably three or four weeks to prepare for the first match back, um, but he kind of has accepted that um, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen um, and they're just going to get on with it. Um, and then the saying he's in, in constant touch with the players. Um, that, that that's good. It's it's well worth a read, and it it just it just sums up Roy uh, better than better than probably anything we could say about him. Um, it's it's his mind, um, like succinctly put into one little essay. And I have to praise him just just based on what Chris said just now about the political edge, where he actually said uh, with regard to the NHS. I hope it might in future make us more aware if you want this level of service, it needs a certain level of economic support. And I'm hopeful it will come from our taxes. We can't rely on the NHS being funded by charities or people making donations. It's nice that such individuals and organisations are doing so, and I'm full of praise for those who are doing it. But the work they're doing is quite incredible and needs adequate resourcing. Amen to that. I've had various messages today from friends saying, bloody hell, your manager's a socialist. And I'm extremely proud of him today for that. Yeah, I'm going to get destroyed by tax off the back of this, but um, but rather than, uh, than have anyone else suffer, I have to say I'd, I'd much rather have to put my hand in my pocket a little bit more than I already do. That's that's fine with me. Um, yeah, so, yeah, great stuff from Roy. Again, we, we could sit here and talk about it all day and probably read it all out, but, you know, take it in for yourself. Um, but, yeah, the, the lack of football, you can tell he misses it just as much as we do, um, and, and that's really hit home a few times this week. But before we get into any more of that... Um, there was an article in a, um, a newspaper I won't mention, but if we do mention it, we'll bleep it out. Um, but again, we talked about Wilf last week, you know, 10 years at the club. What an amazing person he is. Um, and the week before, I think it was actually, sorry, uh, and DR was talking about all the work that he does that doesn't really get recognised. And Mike, this time it was recognised. Yeah, it's, it's off-brand for this particular newspaper to, uh, well, for example, discuss the positivities of a black player. Um but let's, let's just quote from it. Uh, the Wilfrid Zaha Foundation normally helps the elderly in remote parts of the country. So they're talking about um, his home country, um, the Ivory Coast. Aids women who've lost their partners get back on their feet and teaches basic skills to disadvantaged youths. Um, points out that he's, he's always given 10% of his wages, which you know is fairly well known amongst Palace fans, but not necessarily amongst the, the, wider, world, the wider world. Um and it's it's a it's just a good look into his foundation um, and and exactly what they do back in the Ivory Coast. Uh, a quote from his older sister: uh, "We know it's from the donation of Wilfred is is 
is doing that this is all possible. It means life at this time. Being a mother myself and having so many orphans, orphans under my care, imagine not having food, especially when shops are closed. It's helping save a lot of lives and we appreciate you a lot. So, you know, we're talking about somebody that we get to go and watch on the football field, literally saving lives. Um, and I, I, I'm stunned that this particular newspaper has posted this, but uh, I suppose even, you know, when my clock breaks, it, it's still right. Occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I mean, there's a lot of things that I enjoyed about it and, you know, particularly the, the discussion that, you know, pretty much as soon as he was a professional, he started this foundation, you know, the Wilfred Zaha Foundation. Why did I struggle with that word the second time? But, um, you know, he started very, very early on and has funded it consistently and it usually looks after, you know, as, you, as you're going through a specific type of, of situation, it's been expanded to cover the uh, the COVID crisis, which is at the current time of recording is quite limited in Ivory Coast but you know in particular poor areas it's, it's liable to increase so it's extremely important work but in all honesty the other thing that I really enjoyed from the article is that it's run by his twin older siblings um, Corinne and Karina or Corinne and, Con- and Car- Corinne and Corinne so they're twins right and one's called Corinne and that's that's a guy and you've got Kareen, who's a girl. I think that's, yeah. Did I, Am I alone in enjoying the similarity of the names? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's slightly child abuse, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it isn't this, but it does seem a little unimaginative, doesn't it? Uh, we, uh, we've got Karin, um, and we've got a girl one as well now. Uh, just stick an E on the end of it, that'd be fine. I'm sure it wasn't that, though. And a massive respect to the work that they do as well, before I sound horrific. Um, also, another publication that I tend to avoid, uh, but Mike, you're a big fan of TalkSport. Um, PVA, getting involved. No, I'm not fucking having that. I, I'm, not a massive <laughs> fan. I'm not a massive fan of TalkSport. Unfortunately, um, I own a 2007 Vauxhall Vectra um, that doesn't have a little jack input. Um, so until I recently bought one of those things where you can go to a radio station and listen to your phone through that for the, from a radio frequency, um, I was basically stuck with listening to FM or AM radio. Um, so it's just going between Five Live and Talk Sport um, or listening to some CDs. So um, I kind of end up listening to it on long journeys more than, more than I probably should. Uh, but they had an interview with PBA. Um, they've actually got a surprising amount of um, Palace representation recently. Um, especially with the the Townsend interview, uh, but they got they got PVA on, um, and he just gave an insight into how the players are dealing with it at the moment. Um, two things that struck me: first of all, um, for a man from Holland, he has a very very deep South London accent now, um, and puts in some some quite uh, interesting South London isms in, when he talks. Um, but yeah, he he, he did say how much they're keeping them training still, which was quite eye-opening. It sounds as though they, they, they're basically doing a full-time job, um, just just training, um, going through the training regimes they've been given, which is great. More than that, um, it sounded as though every other waking hour he had when he wasn't training, he was just watching Netflix. So <laughs> although um, you've got, you've, they've probably got houses about 20 times the size of my flat, um, it's good to know that players are still 
bored shitless watching Netflix. That's it. Netflix and PlayStation slash Xbox. Yeah, we're all, we're all in the same boat. But I bet he's got a nice big garden to go and play with the kids in as well. But um, but hey, he deserves it. He works hard, so uh, I'm not gonna not gonna begrudge him that. Um, but yeah, always always good to hear from from the players. They you know give you that little bit of touch of reality and just keep in touch with them. But you know, you know, I'm joking about it. But obviously, you know, these are highly tuned professionals who who love what they do and the fact that they can't do it anymore probably does hurt them a lot more than we realize um and it's probably quite tough on them mentally as well i mean yeah obviously all the money makes it that much easier but um but you know they'll be they'll be itching to get back out there um there was a, also um a little chat on instagram with luca during the course of the week and there's not a huge amount in it it was a fairly short chat there's a see some detail on it on the um the palace website and there palace tv uh, video stuff but you know luca was um, was talking on instagram about his season and yeah, interestingly he talked about the fact that you know people might look at him and and judge him harshly because you know he's only got a couple of goals this season and it, it scored heavily in the prior couple of campaigns talked about you know scoring free kicks and, and mainly penalties and how it just hasn't happened this time around um but he feels that he's done well and most importantly the team has done brilliantly and I was just a little bit disappointed that we had a couple of replies on, on Twitter just basically saying, oh, he's been rubbish this year. And I know it's a fairly well-expressed view that Luca has been poor in comparison to previous seasons. And it's just not something I subscribe to. I, you know, I think perhaps he's not been as influential as he was in prior campaigns. But, you know, I, I do think we miss him when he's not there. Um, and... You know, there's been a couple of games where he hasn't played and we've played really well. And in particular, James McCarthy's come in and, and stepped it up. Now he's match fit. Um, but, you know, I think just Luke, to me, Luca's just class. And I, and I, I get a little frustrated when I see people being quite that disrespectful. I was having a think about this. And the only criticism I can level at him, um, and I appreciate the fact that he was very forward um, in, in backing himself and saying, oh, I think I've, I've had a decent season. Um, and and to to an extent, that's probably um, more Serbian mentality, um, and and people in the UK tend to be a bit more derogatory about themselves. But um, the only criticism I can have is he's kind of stood still. In that, the criticisms people have of him, um, he tends to repeat them, um, it, and. This season, we've seen players like you say, like like McCarthy, that have come through and excelled themselves. I.e., obviously. Um, so when you've got a player that hasn't necessarily done any better or changed their what's perceived as their shortcomings, then it's easier to criticise them when you've got players around them that have improved. Um, but having said that, um, he's already a great player um, and obviously had a period out of the side, but. He still does things that other players can't do. So it would be great if he did a little bit more vocalising, a little bit more leading, and all the things that we've we've hoped he would do. Uh, but he hasn't necessarily had the chance to do that this season because he hasn't played enough games. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. And I think it's really interesting that if you go back and we, we talk about the players that have kind of taken that role and you talk about Jednak, you talk about Johan Kabai, and they've all been through that same thing at Palace where they've been picked out for for not doing enough and you know I did I did a thing before the before the covid came along and ruined everything in terms of the football season where 
I made a specific point about Luca's passing because I kept reading people going on about him giving the ball away too much. And, you know, and he had the best passing percentage of the, the whole team in terms of the midfielders. So it just seemed, you know, I was just trying to make the point that sometimes if, you, if you're sitting there watching a player and waiting for the mistakes, you will create your own reality from that. Um, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that, that that influence hasn't quite been there. But I think there's a lot of truth in what you say, Mike, in that other players have probably stepped up and and, and show, sort of taken that focus, you know. And we're perhaps taking for granted a little bit what Luca does. But let's not avoid the fact that, okay, you know, he, he's also a human being who's had some some quite poor games at times, you know, games where he hasn't been able to to stamp that influence on the match. But like I say, I'm just, you know, the only point I'm making is that, you know, he, he speaks to the player, he speaks to the fans, sorry, via a, a club Instagram chat. And, you know, most people are, are you know, nice to him and respectful and appreciative. And it's just a small number who, who feel the need to make a, a point that, to me, doesn't really stack up. And even if it did, it's rude. Just to be really straightforward. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, guy, the guy's our captain. He's been really good for us for a long time. Yeah, it's not his best season, but even then he's not been terrible. And actually, just talking about the pass percentage point, you know, even if it was lower than it is, and the facts don't quite bear out the idea that, you know, he's been terrible, um, a pass completion rate, yeah, you're one half of that. But actually, if you pass and some, and you've not got the support in terms of the person running back or anticipating what you're trying to do, that can be their fault as well as yours. So, you know, yeah. uh, I've not got a lot of time for... Um, criticising Luca, even though he's not had his best season. Yeah, great point, Chris. Um, let's take a chance to do our weekly Jordan Ayew appreciation, as it seems to be happening a lot at the moment. And we're doing it this time because uh, Gary Taphouse, so I, I feel the need to mention, um, I don't know if we mentioned it at the time when we started being back of the nest, but he recorded our, um, our back of the nest intro and is therefore an absolute legend. Um, but yeah, Gary Taphouse retweeted a... Um, um, uh, video of Jordan Ayew's goal against West Ham. And I've got to say, it just, you know, I suppose it's probably the isolation doing my head in, but it almost brought a lump to the throat because I just remembered it. I think for a variety of reasons, that's probably the last time I was at Sellers. Chris, you, Mike, you'd be able to tell me that? Maybe? Uh, I think you've been once since. Once after, maybe. Anyway, it's, but it's just such a, a really strong memory of, of, obviously, it was a late goal. And it's an amazing goal, and and the whole, you know, way we celebrated, you know, we're we're there as a group, and you know, it just it was such a special moment, and just having that brought back when there's no football, just it brought a bit of a lump to the throat, but it also brought that same kind of feeling of elation, and I watched it over and over, and just, oh my god, that goal is so underappreciated by the wider football world. It is breathtaking what he did. It's all instinct and just so much skill and ability and made so much better by the fact that a year before that you just could not imagine him getting anywhere close to doing it what a great goal and to add context the reason that he tweeted it is that somebody had asked him what the best goal this season that he's commentated on is um, across any games so uh, that's quite the accolade as well because that guy does commentary for a lot of games Absolutely right, and it's definitely the his decision on that wasn't definitely not coloured by the fact that he's an avid Palace fan at all. He's you know that was he was speaking from complete honesty there. Actually, I, you know I say that in a slightly 
knowing way, but I don't think I've I've seen anything better this season. I really don't. Um, phenomenal goal. So very quickly before we move on to a bit of general chat, we've got um, a message that came back a while ago. We were talking to people. We first we asked for people about you know how you know tales from when they've been ill at games, and what we got was a series of um, stories about people shitting themselves, which I still would encourage massively on the socials. And at hi at backofthenest.com if you want to get in touch. Mike absolutely loves it when we talk about people shitting themselves and he's desperate for more. Um, but we also talked yeah, about... Yeah. What fa- <laughs> oh, can't wait. Keep those coming in. Thanks. <laughs> but um, we also asked what your favourite games were. And Ken Barr, who's uh, a listener from over in the States, I believe he's New York based, which is probably a, a really horrific place to be at the moment. So hopefully you're all right over there, Ken. Um, and he's got two um, specific matches that he wanted to bring up. So the first was Boxing Day 1989, and just prior to my uh, my stint as a Palace fan, um, I, I, at that point in time, I was not really au fait with, with club support. I was just a general football fan, which I won't go into. It's quite a weird, weird story. But anyway, prior to me. So he said he was... Um, he was at that first match, uh, 1989 versus Chelsea, and late in the match, the ball came out to him uh, in front of the main stand. Uh, running over to take the throw was a then 19-year-old Chelsea kid sub, so he threw it to him. Uh, the ball went down the Sainsbury's end, and the Chelsea 19-year-old sub scored the equaliser. So the guy next to him said, welcome to Crystal Palace. So we got the immediate, t- typical Palace uh, feeling for Ken in his first game. And that particular... Sub was 19-year-old Graham Lasso. Uh, so he now does the EPL stuff for NBC in the States. So, um, you know, obviously it's pretty memorable for, for Ken. But guys, you remember Graham Lasso, right? He was the the Guardian reading footballer. That was his whole thing, wasn't it? I remember <laughs> Graham Lasso. He was a really decent left-back, fantastic in fantasy football uh, for those who were doing that because he, he got forward and got, got the ball in with crosses as well. And infamously was, despite not being gay, homophobically abused by Robbie Fowler on the pitch when he uh, bent down and showed his ass to um, oh, hell, so yeah. who then got sent off for reacting to it, even though he was quite right to react to it. So yeah, I, I remember the so um, good player and an intelligent guy and a decent guy. So yeah. Oh, the nineties, eh? The same Robbie Fowler that mind snorting <laughs> cocaine off the goal line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. He's now a different, different landlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all live in a Robbie Fowler house is the chant, isn't it? <laughs> we all live in a Robbie Fowler house. Anyway, um, yeah, oh, the 90s, man. <laughs> but yeah, the so terrific player. I do remember re- uh, either reading or, or seeing an interview where at one stage he said he was quite close to becoming a Palace player. Don't know the story behind, behind that. Anyway, second story from Ken was that in the build-up to the 1990 FA Cup final, as was mentioned earlier, there was a Lifeline meeting. Do you remember Lifeline at Palace? Probably not you, Mike. You, Mike, Chris? Right. Yeah, back in those days where we yes. had to... Yeah, fun. Indeed. So it was a meeting with uh, with Ron Nodes and, and Steve Koppel at Crystals. <laughs> My God, at Crystals. What a nightclub. Um, so a guy sitting across the aisle from him, uh, starts on Alan Pardew, calling him calling the worst of the worst. They're calling him names that we might call him these days, in all honest. Um, and as far as this bloke concerned, Pardew is worse than Jack of the Jack the Ripper. Um, the next day, he goes to his local William Hill on Streatham High Street and put twenty quid on Palace to win. Final result and Super Al to score the winner. The shop manager had never even heard of Alan Pardew and gave him fifteen to one. So he had a three hundred pound check 
Bloody hell, that's aging it. Check. Waiting for him when he walked in on Monday lunchtime. There you go. Responding to the abuse of a player by putting a bet on him to uh, to upset the odds and coming out the winner. Fantastic story. Thank you very much for that, Ken. And if you've got similar stories yourself, do get in touch. Hi at Back of the Nest on email or check out our socials. And that is your lot for football chat. Oh, no, actually, I tell a lie. Mike, you've got some Twitter stuff. Yes, yes, certainly do. <clears throat> some, uh, some, some. We've asked people how they're they're dealing with without Palace at the moment. So, Leif Anderson's forehead um, is absolutely gutted that there was a channel uh, called CPFC Not in Eighty Four that's been taken down from YouTube with every season up until twenty twelve's highlights up. Um, I said we'd put out a plea to anyone if they had ripped from YouTube to re-upload. I, I did rip a few of them. Um, I'll try and up- upload them. But if anyone else has got them, just start a new channel. I mean, if, if anyone's getting shitty about copyrights for like, you know, Palace 2004 um, highlights, uh, I think you'd, you'd probably, you've probably been a bit mean there. People, people need their Palace highlights um, at this tough time. Um, Palace Ash was asked the the oddest, most esoteric question I think we've ever received. How good was Matt Clark? Could he have been Asperoni had he not got injured? Uh, I'll let Hamber answer that in a minute. And then King Louis, would love to hear what you'd all do from a long-term standpoint if you were given control of this club. Stadium prioritisation, youth development, transfer apologies, managerial candidates, Grand plans. So that is a pretty open-ended question from King Louis there. But let's uh, let's answer the Matt Clark one first, shall we, Amber? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we can we can absolutely get into what would we do if we we're in charge of Palace. So I look <laughs> look forward to that in a sec. But on the Matt Clark subject, it was you know it was such a shame that he got injured as as was suggested. But you know, I think he would have been, and I don't want to disrespect a club legend in in Jules, but I think he would have been. Even beyond that, and I, it might, I might be getting nostalgic and, and all that kind of stuff. But for me, he had absolutely everything you needed to be an, a, a top-class goalkeeper. You know, he was a he was a massive guy, but he was so agile as well, and he command commanded the box brilliantly. Just he just had everything that you want in a goalkeeper. Made top saves, um, and at times was a difference in matches. You know, and that's what we have got now with Bethenzo Guaita in this. You know, in the sense that he is often a match winner. He will make a save that's as good as a goal up the other end. Um, and, and Clark had all of that. And it's just, you know, you, you look at his record of playing, I think it was 38 games we looked before the uh, before the show. And, it, you know, but that's over like a three, four year period. But he was injured badly for, for quite a lot of that um, and just had to give up in terms of a comeback. And it's... There's a lot of people in football who are like that. You know, it's the kind of what would have been career. You know, Dean Ashton springs to mind as an, as an example there as well, um, of players that had so much to give, but cruelly it was taken away. And I suppose you could possibly even talk about our own Johnny Williams in that respect, um, although obviously still playing and hopefully will still keep having some kind of a, of a decent career and keep representing Wales. But you know, it's it's definitely a missed opportunity, and, and I, I remember Matt Clark very fondly indeed. Wouldn't wouldn't want him to have taken more games away from the Latvian prince, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, your team, all-time best Palace team goalkeeper, Alex Kalinko. My God. Anyway, so um, <laughs> let's move on from that that terrible, terrible thought. 
um, start, you know, just a general thing really of what would you do if you're in charge? And I was thinking this, and, and Roy mentioned it in his um, in his statement because he had been watching lots of the football documentaries, and he picked out the Sunderland Till I Die one. And hopefully, most of you have seen that. And if you haven't, do check it out. I mean, the first season is better than the second; it's just breathtaking. But the second season is so good from the respect that you're watching these two. Uh, people who've come in and taken over the club, a guy called Stuart Donald and Charlie Methuen or something like that. And you've got Stuart Donald, who's essentially David Brent and even sounds like him. Um, and you've got Charlie Methuen, who's just a posh, foul-mouthed twat. And, but at the same time, you kind of warm to them a little bit because they're just they're trying really, really hard. And what really brought it home, and, I'll, and it'll bring me back around to the point I'm making in a sec, what really hit home is they're on transfer deadline day They've lost Josh, Ma- Josh Madger, their best striker, um, to Bordeaux. They've had to sell him because he wouldn't sign a new contract. And they're trying desperately to get a new striker in. And that's something as Palace fans we can relate to. Constantly wanting a new striker who's going to come in and score 20, 25 goals a season. Fire us up the table. You know, we- We're convinced there's one out there. and We're angry that the board don't get it. And Stuart Donald just got so w- wrapped up in that. He had... His scout, um, and he had the manager telling him that that Will Grigg, who they eventually did sign, wasn't worth more than a million quid. I think they ended up paying Wigan something like four or five million plus add-ons. They ended up paying him over 16 grand a week in wages, and he couldn't help himself. He was sat there, and he just got stuck with that thought. You know, how basically, how can I say to the fans that we haven't replaced the striker that's firing us to promotion. I, I can't get to the end of the transfer window and not have signed this striker. And he paid massively over the odds. And, you know, history has proved, I think Will Griggs played like nearly 40 games and he scored five goals over basically two seasons. Massive waste of money and wages at League One level. And exactly the kind of thing that they criticised when they took over the club from, from the, the previous regime, overspending, overpaying and saddling the club with stupid debts. And they couldn't help it. They just couldn't help themselves. And that brings me to the point, I wouldn't be able to help myself if I had the resources, you know, if I had, I I would just go out and I would be a a fan in charge of a football club and it would be a complete disaster. That's all I can really say on the matter. Guys, over to you. Yeah, well, okay, if I come in first, um, this coronavirus crisis has demonstrated the... um, stability or not of various clubs you know we've seen uh spurs in a situation where i mean i, I think to be honest that's more um just outright country than anything else but um seeing daniel levy deciding to furlough staff when yeah. his business is you know not in a state where it needs to do that which is massively taking advantage um palace have done absolutely the right thing and have you know shown that they're doing that and they've stepped up when it comes to things like helping the local food banks and the community, and they've been doing that this season anyway. So I, I, I have to say I really admire the leadership at the club for the way that they've engaged with the local community. Um, if I was in charge right now, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, first we've got to get games started again, make sure we stay up, which you know the current points total says we will. We've already signed the manager for another season, so that element isn't up for discussion either. The priority has to be, you know, the getting on with the stadium development. Um, now, I happen to know that there's lots of discussion still going on about that. We're getting close, I gather, to signing the Section 106 agreement, which is the agreement between the uh, club and the council with regard to contributions to local infrastructure. 
the big thing that needs to happen is a commitment to rehouse the people uh, who live in the council homes to the rear of the main stand. Um, once the club commits to buy those um, homes and to replace them like for like for those people, then we're basically ready to go ahead as long as the club can you know, bring itself to sign on the dotted line. So that would be my priority if I was the chairman, is getting on with pr- progressing with that stadium redevelopment. Well, there you go. I mean, I you know, that is the noble way to go and the right way to go. Um, I, as I've said, would waste all of our money on transfers and probably fail in most of them. Mike? Good use of the phrase outright c- there. That would have got you sucked from Linux-Saxon <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would be assuming that <clears throat> after the extension, um, Roy will be retiring. So I would really want a contingency plan for... Um, the manager in place because that's something we have not done in the past and uh, it would be great if if there was a longer term plan in place like to see the uh, women's team get a bit more exposure I'd love to see him play a little bit more at Celeste Um, I don't know if it's possible with the uh, the championship um, in the women's game um, tending to play on a Sunday whether they could have one of the sort of double header situations where um, after the men's game, you could carry on and play the women's game after, or whether the grounds people would be too impressed with that. Um, but it certainly worked with the cricket. Um, it's seen a, a huge increase in um, women's game being watched live. Um, but it's something like that, or just you know a few games at Sellers with free tickets for schools, that kind of thing. Um, that would be really great. Obviously, the training site. That's excellent, um, but that's a, that's a longer-term development. In terms of the next couple of years, definitely the manager um, and and obviously the usual stuff that they get criticised for, you know, scouting players, that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to know if they've got players in mind. Um, you know, the Nathan Ferguson thing, apparently he'd been on the radar for months. As long as that keeps happening, that's good. Uh, but the main thing is thinking, well, we are going to be in the Premier League next season, hopefully the season after that and planning for those seasons, not just the current one. No, that's a good point. You mentioned Ferguson there. It's interesting that um, it's been in the papers that that move is um, is definitely on the cards in, in the summer. Um, if you go back to our transfer deadline show, talking with Don Fifield, and you know he was very much of the opinion that, that he would remain on the radar um, with, a, with a deal being pushed through there. I think that would be a cracking signing, you know, a, a, a quality right back to push Joel Ward. Uh, who can also cover at the centre and, and play left, I believe, as well. So, you know, that's an example of exactly the sort of thing we should be doing. Just talking of transfers, I saw um, a report on a website which appeared to just be a clickbait place, implying that Palace and West Ham are um, vying for the signing of uh, Madra, who you were just talking about. Um, I don't know if that's got any substance to it, um, but if it has, that's that's really exciting. We were we were linked uh, before he we went to Bordeaux in the the uh, in the first season of Sunderland till I die, um, and he's um, a former Palace youth player by all accounts as well. He was born in I think Lewisham something like that, um, but left us very very early on and, and, and moved away. Um, but when you when you watch the when he you know he was really on fire for Sunderland the season before last. The kind of chances he was putting away at nineteen, it was just again, it was instinctive. It was um, some, you know, he was such a strong lad as well, and he's he's only scored I think nine 
in about 30, 35 games for Bordeaux. So not pulling up trees in League One uh, in France, but still doing well enough that you think that's a, a very, well, potentially a very strong signing and is incredibly you know, young in terms of a, of, of a striker as well, which we definitely need younger players with high potential. When is the last time that a player that was linked with both us and West Ham actually come to Palace <laughs> and not go to West Ham? <laughs> if, if West Ham are interested, he's going to do a fucking Jordan Kugel, isn't he? Well, yeah, it's almost as if the agent we tend to deal with is also heavily involved at West Ham and it's almost as if they tend to play us off each other all the time. Mm. On the other hand, they did sell us James Tompkins for a song, so, you know. Oh, look, we've done well out of them, Tompkins and Coyote. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, we're doing cracking in terms of time. Look, you know, we, we've got nowhere to go, nowhere to be, so I don't really mind. And if you are struggling with, uh, with the hour so far, can I recommend drinking the majority of a bottle of wine in about an hour? Because I'm having a great time. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's leave the football chat there for now. Um, hopefully, we've got something to talk about next week because we've done a great job there. Um, let's move on to some general chat. Fintons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24 seven, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right. I've already mentioned um, making sure you get your reviews in on iTunes um, or your chosen podcast app. Much appreciated if you do that. Five stars. And, and loads of people have been doing that. Um, and it does have an effect. It has pushed us into the, um, you know, in the podcast charts, gets us up, up there, gets us noticed. And in terms of the recommended sports podcast, I noticed we'd jumped back up into that recently. So, your hard work in rating us is is having an effect and spreading the word, and we really do appreciate it. Keep that coming as well, even if you sort of register new accounts and things, and um, you know that 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 can happen. And I dare say I've heard if you unsubscribe and resubscribe, it it, it pushes you up the charts further. Don't do that. I don't want it to be fake, do I? You know, mm. but you know. If, if you feel like it. Anyway, listen, we've got to talk about something. He's not here. DR Kernaz has had a couple of weeks off so far. I don't know. Well, I do know why. There's quite a lot going on f- for the young lad. He managed to find the time to win a FIFA tournament, though. And um, But this week, he's, he's he's been under it a little bit. He's had some real problems at home, um, and, and our thoughts are with him. And um, He's just, just, you know, it just seems he can't catch a break. And this week, it was, um, it was an attack from... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let's hear from DR describing what he was attacked by. 
called you and I was coming over. Look, look at this. You telling me this is a bee? This is like a, that's like a flying spider. <laughs> look, look how many legs it has. <laughs> look how many legs it has. It had, it had six legs because it's a bee. But um, no, Dr. was convinced that a um, a bumblebee. Now, to be fair, it did have a, an orange behind, which is not that common. Um, although it is a, a recognised UK species of bumblebee. Um, but a spider bee, a spider bee, everyone, a spider bee. I mean, I've got nothing more. It's a spider bee. It spits for itself, doesn't it? It's just, you know, that's dear. I mean, seriously, I mean, a, a couple of people have mentioned this, and I think I mentioned it on the show the other week, that he is fast becoming the new Carl Pilkington. And it will happen. You know, he will end up just with a baffling TV show. At the very least, it will be a an impressive YouTube channel. I mean, he's already does our YouTube channel, but I mean, we're trying to convince him to do various things. We have, I've got, we've got a whole plan for something called DR does. I'm not going to say any more than that, <laughs> but if we can get that off the ground, I'm telling you that's, I mean, I'm going to sit back and, and drink in the millions from his broken brain. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pornographic is all we can tell you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Anyway. So yeah, if you check out our socials, you can, you'll probably be able to find the video that goes along with that audio heartily recommended. Um, and not the first time we've had to put a video. Do you remember the spider one where he decided that the spider was flying? Mm. Good times. Good times. <laughs> So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, dangerous ways of killing time. Because obviously we've got a lot of time on our hands at the moment, all of us. We're having to stay in. But can I just put a health warning out? Do not, under any circumstances, go on YouTube without an established strategy of what you're planning to do. Because I lost five hours today from clicking on one video that I wanted to watch. I watched things today like the most uh, five of the most shocking things ever caught on camera or dash cams, that was it, or um, amazing things found on Google Earth. And they're always narrated by someone who can't speak properly. Um, and generally speaking, not in any way entertaining. But as soon as one rubbish video finishes, a slightly different one starts, and, and it, it just destroys me. Gents, do you have any trouble with uh, with similar? Yes, I, I absolutely have that, Chris. Uh, so, I mean, I've I've mentioned already my strange hours during this uh, particular crisis so um, on a non-youtube related uh, thing first I, I've been filling time by watching the new series of Red Dwarf which is absolutely fantastic but once I've run out of new episodes of that I then have to find something else to do in the hours before I'm able to get to sleep um, which is usually about 5am at the moment which is great um, so I end up looking at things like you know with with youtube clips that are titled things like uh Dog doesn't want to go for a walk, so uh, throws a hissy fit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then once that one finishes, there's another one about him moaning about his new bed and so on and so on. And I'm a a sucker for things like that. So, yeah, I've spent a lot of hours watching a lot of angry dogs on YouTube. I mean, I I get where you're coming from. Uh, My sleep is absolutely fucked at the moment. Like, I can guarantee I'll wake up at three in the morning and be up two and a half, three hours. I was I was following uh, videos from a Twitter channel this morning at about four AM called Out of Context Human Race. Um, and it was it was a sort of um 
it was all the, all the videos of people being total total bastards to each other. Um, what was the what was the name of the guy that uh, got quite famous? Um, something Pickering. Um, oh. Anyway, yeah, getting getting angry with um, cyclists and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the guy. It's Ron yeah. Pickering. Ro- uh, That's yeah, it. Ron Pickering. <laughs> yeah. It was it was one of those channels, and I, I went for about an hour of it just because I couldn't sleep, and then I just thought I could have been I could have been teaching myself I don't know like the the movements of Alexander the Great or something. Why the fuck <laughs> am I watching this shit? Um, just don't do it to yourself, people. Like literally, maybe maybe I should start buying some Nitol because it's a waste of time. It kills some brain cells, and it doesn't get you anywhere. Facebook's destroyed me though since it it does that fit like autoplay thing as you're scrolling, and you know I I ended up watching yeah like fight videos and I'm just like I'm not into that really that's not but you know watching some guy get knocked out because he's being leery and stuff like that you just it's oddly compelling yeah and you just your whole life kind of disappears in an evening but I suppose we've got a lot of time on our hands so it's not the end of the world is it? On that note. Um, you may or may not be into dogs. So if you're not into dogs, if you're not a kind of Bobby Madley man, then you just you don't need to listen to the next bit where I where's, mention. Where's where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that video. It's not surface. Don't worry. Um, so um, all I'm going to do is recommend um, a chap on Twitter called Mr Andrew Cotter. That's C O T T E R. And what he does, I think he might actually be the bloke who does the commentaries on Crufts. And he's got two Labradors who do very ordinary things that he commentates on as though they're actual Crufts things. And it's it's quite funny if you think that kind of thing is funny. Yeah, can I recommend the Twitter account, Sir Michael? I don't know if any of you have seen that. Not no, yet. Following it now. No. Sir Michael, he does the best possible trolling you can ever see. Because it's not it's not rude. It's not unpleasant to people. He basically seeks out people on Facebook and, and answers their questions, but answers them in a way that presents data to them, but no context of the data, and then infuriates them as they try and get him to explain what he means. It's I, can't, I cannot do it justice, but check it out. Sir Michael on Twitter. You will have an absolute whale of a time. So last last thing from me in terms of general chat, and I'll, I'll throw over to you guys if you've got anything further, but I talked a little bit, I think last week I talked about the fact I'd burnt myself cooking, and I really have started to rediscover the, the concept of cooking, and it's it's, a, it's through necessity, because I, I, you know, I've not really stocked up particularly well in terms of food, can't really be bothered and, and a bit afraid of the risk of keep going to the shops and all that kind of stuff, so I'm basically having to, to use whatever I've got in the house. And unfortunately, that meant this last week discovering that I had a whole massive bag of frozen chicken breasts and the necessary ingredients to make a variety of different types of chicken nuggets with sauces. So I think I probably subsisted on, for about three days, on entirely chicken nuggets in different chili sauces with onions and garlic. That's my thing. Fry up some onions with some garlic, get the garlic nicely roasted, um, bake the chicken nuggets that I've made with, you know, like from scratch, slicing up chicken breast and then covering it in olive oil and herbs and breadcrumbs and stuff, baking it quite nicely and then throwing it into the pan with the sauces and stuff at the end. Um, Not overly healthy, but I maintain I'm getting veg through the onion and garlic and that's good for you in terms of your immune system and chicken nuggets are nice. The problem is 
eating what must be sort of 40 chicken nuggets at a time. Um, not good. Not good. But I'm enjoying myself, and that's the main thing. Well, that sounds fantastic, Chris. And, um, you know, you've, you've now got me salivating jealous that the idea of um, chilli and garlic sauces on chicken nuggets. Um, once this nightmare is over and we're able to um, resume, if we're able to do video content where those of us who eat meat are able to sample each other's chicken nuggets and agree on you know who is the champion chicken nugget well, maker, then I'm up for joining I, that. Okay. Deal, deal. I've got... I, 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 I really enjoyed the dramatic pause there. Sampling each other's <laughs> chicken nuggets. <laughs> well, I mean, I, this does also open the uh, window for me to um, tell a different cooking anecdote. So I was reflecting earlier on on the fact that um, having turned 40 in the last month, um, it's now 20 years since I moved out of the student flat that looks identical to the one I live in now in terms of the um, messiness of it um, and general chaos. Um, but it also reminded me that it was when I was 20 that I decided um, for the first time to cook egg fried rice, um, which at that stage I'd got the ingredients for, um, as I understood them, which was um, basically rice, onions and egg. So I got all of those um, and heated some oil and put them all into the frying pan and successfully, as I thought at the time, cooked them. Um, it was a bit crunchy, though, um, at which point I rang home and asked my mum what I should have done. Uh, it turned out I should have boiled the rice first. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't waste that rice, so I ate every single fucking bit of that anyway. <laughs> Did you not have some quite major digestive problems after that? Well, it was quite scratchy on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> sort of sand, sand blasting out the fucking... Yep. Oh, my days. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Mike, you're... Uh... got nothing on me. Yeah. Mike, you know, you must do a lot of cooking being a vegan since no one really caters for that these days. Um any horrible cooking stories? I don't need to add any horrible cooking stories. You've managed to bring it back to fucking shit again, haven't you? <laughs> People have heard enough. Let's get to the quiz. All right, well, next week, next week, please tell us the story about you having the shits, please. Anyway, um, yeah, absolutely coming right up. We have a, a fantastic quiz. Um, yeah. Hopefully you enjoy that very much indeed. Um, just before that, though, just a quick reminder, check out our sponsor, Pitch Sport Football. Google them, download their app, get involved. Um, should be a lot of fun once the season gets up and running again in terms of predictions and competing and all that kind of stuff, as well as video questions from DR Kerners and uh, the aforementioned John Solarco does some video content there, uh, often relating to Palace as well. I'm sure you'll enjoy it very much indeed. They support us and they're continuing to do so in this downtime, so please do support them as well. Follow them on social media, all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, be much appreciated. So on with the quiz. Right, it's quiz time. And a little bit of an explanation this time around. So we've uh, got a quiz that Mikey's put together for myself, Christopher Clark and Michael Scott. 
And um, we've got 10 questions which we need to answer. We're using the Kahoot app um, for, for fun. Um, so we'll get uh, you'll hear the question read out. Um, obviously, we won't be hearing that um, due to the wonders of editing. But uh, the correct answer will give you 1,000 points. Uh, and you get bonus points for answering quickly, and those, uh, and also points for a correct answer streak. I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail, but on that, but you'll hear us uh, announce the scores on a regular basis. We get 30 seconds per question to answer, um, and or, or it will end if we've all made an answer. And um, yeah, it'll be me versus Chris versus Mike. So it's uh, yeah, let's 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 do this quiz. Let's do it, guys. You ready? Hey, hell yeah! yeah. Smash it. Question number one: Crystal Palace were bottom of the Premier League at Easter in ninety-seven slash ninety-eight. Is it true or is it false? Um, um, uh. that was a horrible question, man. Oh, hooray! (laughs) (laughs) So the answer was, of course, true, and that Crystal Palace were bottom of the Premier League at Easter in 97-98. So, Chris, you got it right, didn't you? I did. And I got it right, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Mike, you didn't get that right, did you? That was a bit of a dick there, wasn't it? Yeah, upsetting. Upsetting scenes. Anyway, let's crack on. Question two. Where do Crystal Palace women play their home games? Is it Gander Green Lane, Hayes Lane, God. Honeycroft, or Meadow Park? Oh, I want to say that, but I've got it. Oh, that's wrong. Or is it? Is it wrong? It's right. Okay, good, 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 good. We're all right. So the answer was Hayes Lane Bromley. I just had a massive moment of doubt, and I, I can't remember. Didn't they, like, I swear like the reserves used to play at a different stadium? Was it Dulwich or something like that? Or Kingston, Kingstonian maybe? Yeah. I think they had a time at Kingstonian, yeah. Yeah, that's, I was just having a bit of a breakdown there. But we were all correct with that. I'm leading, by the way. I've got 1,956 points after two questions. Christopher Clark has 1,808 points. And Mike Scott with 933. But you can, you can get it back. There's loads of time left. Let's go. Question three. Who was the top league scorer for Palace in the 16-17 season? Was it Wilf Sahar? Johan Kabai, James MacArthur, or Christian Benteke? Uh, I, I, yeah, okay, okay. So the correct answer was, of course, Christian Benteke with an incredible 15 league goals in the Premier League. And we were all correct, guys. High five and all that, yeah? Yeah, seems a long, long time ago, doesn't it? Kabai scored four that season. There you go. So we'll do another points update after the next question. Let's crack on. Question four. Both of these players scored league goals for Palace in the 16-17 season. Was it Benteke and Remy, Kabai and Flamini, Ledley and Campbell, or Sacco and Townsend? Uh, oh, uh, I, mm, I... Yeah. Oh, well, really? Incredibly, the correct answer was Joe Ledley and Fraser Campbell. Yes. Um, well done, Chris. I went for uh, hey. Sacco and Townsend, but I don't think Sacco was with us that season. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, messed that up massively. And I did, after I pressed it, to be honest, I did think about Ledley and Campbell because I knew Fraser had scored, and of course Ledley did, but he joined. Anyway, I'll get over it. I swear I'll get over it. <laughs> Let's crack on. Taking the, the lead. Weren't you going to do a score? I know, I was going to sort of get, score just, up, just, can we move on? Part? I don't, who, no one's <laughs> keeping score, are they, Chris? Come on. <laughs> Question five. Crystal Palace spent a reported £92.5 million in 16-17. Is it true or is it false? I mean, this is a risk. <laughs> yeah, it was false. Get in there. It's a bit more than that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, 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 81, 81 points. So the correct answer, just to be clear, was that, that the answer was that was false. Palace did not spend £92.5 million. In 2016-17, it was, in fact, 81.5 million. Uh, who, who got that right and who got that wrong? Just yeah, I, I thought it was more, so I got it right, yeah. but not from, not from knowing the answer. <laughs> Excuse me, we're not going to check on that. That's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> we're going to keep, keep moving swiftly on. Question six. Who received the most yellow cards in the 16-17 season? Was it Luca? Was it Scott Dunn? Was it Benteke or was it Wilf? <coughs> I've screwed up there. I think, yep, yeah, I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no one got, got right. it right. So the answer actually was incredibly the most yellow cards was Christian Benteke with ten. Um, definitely favouring the sixteen seventeen season here, Mikey, with this quiz. Um, Luca incredibly only got four, but it was half a season for Luca, wasn't it? So Benteke didn't really think about that when answering cards. quickly. Ten but Zaha sec- Zaha second with eight yellow cards there. But there you go. So, yeah, no movement on the scores, which we'll, we won't talk about the order of those till later. <laughs> Question seven. What of these is considered an absolute c- Harry the Hornet. Lewis Dunk. Oh, no. No. That's tough. That's tough. I, I answered too quickly because, I mean, they both... <laughs> I reckon both answers are correct. I don't know if you can do that. Um, someone hasn't answered. It's not letting me answer. Oh, both answers were correct. Incredible work, Mikey. I know I predicted it, but amazing work. Um, fantastic stuff there. So happy days. Um, unless I'm a... Oh, unfortunate. Unfortunate. <laughs> well, I might have changed things, but we'll still ignore the score. No, let's go through the scores, sorry. So at the moment, Mike is, uh, is, is at the rear <clears throat> with uh, 3,559 points. Uh, I am in second place uh, with my pseudonym of Dave uh, on 5,017 points with Christopher Clark, 5,059. It's tight at the top, Chris. Well, what's yes, great, though, is Kahoot keeps telling me I'm on the podium. So it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's giving me what I need. Um, exactly. Exactly. Question eight. Before this season, Yannick Bolassi was the largest value transfer out of Palace. Who is third on the list? Is it Dwight Gale, Wilfred Zaha, Andy Johnson, or Clinton Morrison? Oh, what? Oh, okay. I think this through, but how can I think this through? Oh, I've just pressed one. Oh, I've pressed the wrong one. Yeah, I think I have as well. No, I haven't. Oh, hey. oh Mike, you've, you've pulled one out of the bag there. So what? the answer was Dwight Gale. Uh, um, I thought we were, I, I thought it was a half slightly more, but yeah, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I went with AJ, and I was uh, I was wrong. I just couldn't quite place how much it was. Uh, but Dwight Gale, ten point eight million. There you go. Question nine: Who scored more league goals for Palace, 
Was it Adebola or was it Akinbaye? <laughs> I've just that is a ridiculous question. Oh. I got it. I got it. I got it. I knew I knew Danny Adebola, oh. man. He was a he was a veritable goal machine. Five goals oh. at 39 outs. Oh. Akinbaye only got three in 24. Should have known that. Should have known that. Unlucky boys. So let's have a quick look at this scoreboard uh, now. I think we should pay a lot of attention to it. Stop. So yeah, yeah, it's really stop. important now. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Mike is still down there, four five seven two. Although not million miles away from Chris Clark on five thousand and fifty nine, and uh, some other guys at the top there with five nine six seven. All still to play for. All still to play for. But isn't it the final question now? Well, exactly. So if you get it wrong and I get it right, I could still win. That's <laughs> true. You could. You could. All right, let's crack on. And finally, question 10, a visual question. Whom is this former Palace player? Is it Neil Alexander or Jack Hunt? Ooh, a visual one. Oh, uh, I don't know if it is. Yes, it was. I can't believe I've done it. I've done it. Oh, my mum's going to be so proud. That The, the visual clue <laughs> that we were <laughs> that we were looking for. There was a picture of a Palace player, of course, and the Palace player was Jack Hunt. Of course, he, he never he signed for two million quid, played no times at all, um, and broke an ankle in training. I thought it was a leg, but an ankle. I've just apparently. got to raise the patronising uh, comment from Mikey on this. It is, of course, Jack Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know quite who, what, what. Neil Alexander looks like so. I mean, I I did remember what Jack Hunt looked like. So there is Alexander's black actually. No, he's not. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's just go through the final points. So uh, third place, bronze medal, Mike on the podium, five oh, out of ten. I'm on the podium. What more could you want? <laughs> Four thousand five hundred seventy-two points. Chris Clark remaining on five thousand and fifty-nine points with five credits out of ten. Same questions, correct. As Mike, but faster on those fingers, Chris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be back in future, and you yeah. know. And after last week's debacle, I am top of the tree, seven thousand and two points, seven questions out of ten correct. And you know, let's face it, it's um, we're all impressed. Have we, have we got like, have we got the points total? So we've got like a total points total, a running total. Well, Mikey can listen back and work that out, can't it? I mean, obviously the the people will change over a period of time, but. Maybe we can work out an average based on the number of quizzes played. That'd be fascinating. Well, we've got a lot of time on our hands, let's face it. You're playing fast and loose with the word fascinating there, but excellent, yeah. (laughs) Right, hope you enjoyed that. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers to Mikey for producing, to Chris and to Mike for their time today. And yeah, we'll be back soon. Obviously, the preview show will be releasing another one of their fantastic podcasts. Hopefully, this time it won't be quite so tea centric, but I very much enjoyed that. I'm still a little angry that Albert lose the tea bag in a cup of tea. And also, he seems to speak as an expert on tea, but he's using tea bags rather than loose leaf tea. And I'm considering sending a video as they requested on how to make a proper cup. But moving swiftly on from that, we'll be back again next Sunday, if not before. Uh, as we're desperate to occupy our time by making new podcasts. Hope you're enjoying it. Speak to you soon. Bye. Back of the chest. Coronavirus self-isolation podcast.
TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.